The Last Word on Sport on Today FM. With Carlsberg, official beer partner of the FAI. Probably the best partnership in the world. Get the facts, be drink aware, visit drinkaware.ie. Now, we've had many of the greatest snooker stars in this studio over the years. I'm just thinking of the late Alex Higgins and Jimmy White and Ken Doherty and Steve Davis. But we have probably the greatest of them all with us today. He's in because of the publication of his latest book, Unbreakable. Ronnie O'Sullivan, thank you very much for being with us here on The Last Word today. Thank you. How are you doing? How's, who's your favourite of all the other snooker stars of the past? Um, I think Hendry has to be my favourite. He's my hero growing up. Um, yeah, probably the best player I've ever played against. Uh, yeah, he, he for me, the greatest of them all, to be honest with you. Yeah. Well, you both won the same number of World Championships mm. to date. Mm. Yeah, he done his over a shorter period of time. Um, he kind of dominated the Crucible for a decade, really. Mine was just spread out over a period of time. Unfortunately, I wish in some ways I was able to just have that decade of pure dominance that would have been amazing. But, I, you know, mine, my career has been a bit fits and starts. You know, um, some good spells, some not so good spells, a bit in and out, a bit like my game. So I've just kind of had to, yeah, just grind it out a bit more, I suppose. But you've been doing it incredible longevity, but mm. does it get harder when you're older? And the reason I'm asking mm. that is, I remember Ken Doherty said to me a couple mm. of times, and God, it's a long time since Ken won his World Championship mm. back in 1997. Mm. He said it got older as he got older, because mm. he started realising all the things that could go wrong. Yeah, uh, I, th- I think for, for me, I, I just get, I'm just tired tired of it now I'm like kind of uh, it's hard to keep getting motivated you know I, I want to play it probably all for the wrong reasons which is just to enjoy it and I think if you just want to enjoy something sometimes a trade off is that you don't win as much um, and it's, 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 it's yeah I think so just, why is that would that not take some of the tension away to a certain extent if you're going out there to enjoy it or yeah. does the game at the top level just require this absolute yeah. steely yeah. disciplined approach and concentration yeah it's not always the best player that wins believe it or not <laughs> unfortunately it's the guy that wants it baddest it's the guy that's prepared to be scraped off the table it's the guy that's uh, determined resilient wants it badder and that is the difference you know um you know, obviously, when you get to, you know, if you've got three or four guys that are really super talented, then it does come down to talent maybe. But at the end of the day, you know, if that talented guy doesn't have that determination or that will to win, he wouldn't. He would. He, he just wouldn't be an average player that has just this is as simple as that. So it becomes about how bad you want it. And I think what Ken's saying is you get older, you tend to not want it as bad. You just want to like, you want to try and, just enjoy the game just because it gets harder. And if you can enjoy it, it means you can keep playing. But if you're not enjoying it and it's getting harder, then it becomes like probably why would I ever play, you know? So, you know, you, you, you I think when looking back on my career, I'm, I'm glad I kind of, even though it was quite tough at times, I think it had to be for me to succeed. And looking back, if I had the same attitude I have probably now to when I was was 21, 22, maybe wouldn't have won as much. So, like I said, there's a trade-off, you know, but um, it depends, you know, for me, I just I have to accept probably don't have a, as high a winner ratio as I used to. That's probably down to the standard being better as well. Um, so it's not all about that. But 
yeah, it's just um, I just think as you get older, just like the traveling can 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 take it out of you as well. You know, like living in in and out of hotels, um, and sometimes you just want to be. Like, it's nice to be home and in a routine, cooking your own food, taking the dogs for a walk. Um, you know, just yeah, just keeping life simple. Really. Because the circuit is tough, isn't it? Mm, yeah. and, and it's become mm, tougher since yeah. the popularity of the sport has increased in Asia. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I mean, like I, I looked at my schedule this year. I have a year planner because it's. I have to have a year planner just to kind of go well. I look at it and go right. There has to be some breaks in between, uh, and I looked at it and I've got like eight possible trips to Asia um, from August till January the first or December the twenty ninth. Whether I do them or not, I don't know. You know, but it's a lot of traveling. You know, that's a lot of jet lag, a lot of you know, yeah busy like a lot of time on planes um so yeah you kind of like is it is it is it what you should be doing at 47 48 you know is that really you know healthy for you i don't know but it's my job and i think pre-covid i was gonna start playing more of the asian tournaments uh like in china india um because i thought just to finish my career off it'd be great to sort of do it that way round. Whereas before I used to play all the UK events because I was quite selfish in how I wanted to spend my life, which was I didn't want to be jet lagged all the time. I wanted to be have, have some sort of routine in my life, uh, do my running and try and keep it as, you know, as normal as possible. Um, but I think now I think I'm just going to try and do the Asian trips and maybe just miss a f- more of the UK tournaments. Um, and just see how that goes, you know. And I think it's a lot easier for me playing abroad than it is in the UK. Um, less expectation, more more happy to see me out there. Uh, I think people love seeing you. Yeah, they love seeing you? me here, but I just think sometimes there's a bit of a circus around UK tournaments. A lot of people that I have friends and family turning up and sometimes you're like, oh, it's better when I'm on my own. <laughs> you were talking about expectation. When I heard a couple of months ago that you would be coming in today, yeah. I thought it would be great if you were coming in as world champion again. And yeah. I thought particularly when you got to the quarterfinals yeah. this year and you were flying in the quarterfinal, yeah, definitely uh, he's going to come here as the yeah. winner. And then you lost to Luca yeah. Brassel, who went on yeah. to win the tournament. Yeah. But you didn't seem enormously upset nah. by losing the quarterfinal. I was quite relieved it was over, to be honest with you. Why? Uh, because... Every year I've won it, it's been tough. And most of the years that I've won it, I felt like my game was in good shape. So it's not like I can use the excuse of, oh, you know, I wasn't playing well and I really had to dig in and, you know, and, you know, no, I was playing well and I still had to dig in. And it's 17 days. As you get older, it gets harder, like Ken says, which is very true. This year, didn't really have much of a game behind me. It was all a bit stop-start or through the season. So going into the Crucible, yeah, my game wasn't maybe where it should have been. Crucible finds you out, three-session, four-session matches. There's no hiding place. You know, eventually your opponent senses that you're there for the taking. So, and Luca did. Um, and, he, and, he, and he beat me, you know, and that was, you know, and I wasn't surprised. And, and in some ways I was quite relieved that I didn't have to go through the same in the semifinals. Four-session match, three-day match. And then possibly Selby in the final. You know, I just played the, the tape forward and I thought, I'm not ready for that. 
<laughs> I really ain't. But Holly, you look remarkably well. You yeah. Obviously, the running really suits you. You look, yeah. I mean, and I'm not just saying mm. you look way younger than mm. your years. Mm. But is there a case of that it does actually end up that the young fellas do come along and they're yeah. able to play at a better level? So I'm, are you I'm, sort of accepting that maybe you are now moving towards the autumn of your career? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, no, I'm at the end of my career. You know, Luca's at the middle stage of his career and he's 28. He's midway through his career. Judd Trump, mid, midway through their careers. Um, you know, young C, the Chinese boy who made the semi-final, he's at the beginning of his career. So we're all at completely different stages. Um, and you're happy with that, are you? Not really, no. Oh. I, I do wish I could go back and do it all again, probably do it differently. What would you do differently? Um, when I was 14, I, I sort of tampered around with my technique, sort of tried to play different style. Not not style as in attacking defensive, more about you know how I hit the ball. Probably one of the biggest mistakes I made. Uh, and I'd probably try, enjoy it a bit more and see if I could play with a bit more freedom instead of, you know, being like, you know, the pressure to win one world title was horrible. But once I won it, I felt relaxed about all the others. So I had eight years of being tense, trying to, you know. So I think sometimes when you what you learn, you wish you could like take the learning bits and start your career again and go, oh, I won't make that mistake, I won't do that, and I'll approach it differently. That's all. It's just hindsight stuff. It is hindsight stuff. And I want to come back to the psychology mm. in a moment, but I am fascinated by even the fact that you say about your technique that you mm. might have done it differently because mm. your technique is one of the best that the game has ever seen. Mm. And it reminds me of Podrick Harrington, the golfer, mm. after he won three mm. majors, he went back and he completely reconstructed mm. his swing and decided to do it mm. all differently. Mm. You know, the vast majority of people would just love to have the mm. ability that you or Podrick Harrington would have mm. and have that technique. Mm. So, what is, is it a psychological thing that you decide the need to actually go back and change the technique? I've always had, what the thing with me. I've always had a good hand ball high coordination. So even when I'm not playing well, I'm I'm always able to sort of manufacture stuff. You know, a bit like Seve Ballesteros when he played golf. You know, yeah. it might not be straight down the fairway, but somehow he'd managed to get it in the hole. I play snooker a bit like that. I never used to. I used to be like Nick Faldo down the middle, down the middle part, down the middle, down the middle part. So I've I've experienced the two different ways of playing, if you like, and I much prefer the Nick Faldo way. Uh, the Sebi Ballesteros way was so much more stressful. <laughs> but enjoyable for everyone else to watch. Enjoyable for everyone to watch, yeah, because they never knew what they was going to get, um, what, what was going to happen. So for me, it was always, um, you know, that, that, that desire to figure out how to get back to playing really consistently. Um, and I haven't been able to really, to be honest with you. And I, I kind of have to accept that it's never going to come back. I have it in spells. I have it... Since 2001, when I really took my game apart and I tried to build a new game with a coach, which helped. Well, it was the only, re you know, by doing that was the only reason why I actually won one world title because before that I was all over the show, really. So I was pleased that I, I addressed it and tried to fix it, but it never quite fully fixed it. And I've just accepted that, OK, I ha I've kind of give up, really, um, trying to search for that perfection and just accept that, some days it's good, some days it's bad. Snooker gods, hopefully, a shine on me and, and, and bring it right at some point, you know. Because there's been Netflix documentaries behind the scenes on some sports. We've seen like mm. tennis and golf and mm. stuff recently. Mm. I don't think they've done one on snooker yet. Mm. But what really comes across is the psychological pressure mm. on players, players who are elite level, mm. that we'd all love to be able to play mm. like them. And yet they're so racked with doubt when they get into com competition. So how much use have you made of 
sports psychologists and what benefits have they brought you? Yeah, I've really, I've really helped. Like I worked with Steve Peters and at least he kind of like, I thought at some point, I thought someone had sat down with him before I'd met him and told him exactly what goes on in my head. So when I was speaking to him, I thought, he knows, like, he's telling me my story, you know, how I've, like, you know what I mean? I'm saying, wow, how does he know? How does he know that? But really, it was nothing to do with, with snooker. He was just telling me how the brain operates, you know, how we kind of get into a panic state and, you know, flight, flight, fight or freeze. And I, mine was like, I notice it doing that now. You know, it wants to run out, just doesn't want to face something, you know, panic. So I have to learn that that's normal and I have to just not listen to it and calm it down. And the only way I can do that is by telling myself the facts of my career because sometimes I feel like I've got like an imposter syndrome. I just think, you know, I'm not as good as any most of the guys on the tour. I look at a lot of the guys on the tour and think, I wish I could play like him. I wish I could hit the ball like him. But they're thinking exactly the same possibly, about you. Yeah. They're thinking possibly. I'd like to be as good as Ronnie O'Sullivan. Possibly, possibly. But um, yeah, so that self-doubt comes in and, and the only way I can kind of keep it at bay is by telling myself the facts of like, yeah, I've been successful as a junior, successful as an amateur, successful as a pro. Can't argue with that, you know, and I have to keep reinforcing that. And then that puts the doubt aside and kind of makes me have a little bit of belief in myself to, to at least compete, you know. But being at the table, mm. does that take you away from everything else? Because you have had well-documented mm. difficulties with addiction mm. in your life and there's been lots of stuff that's gone on in your life mm. outside of snooker, which mm. has hit the headlines. Does actually going and playing snooker manage, can you block everything mm. else out when you're playing snooker? Yeah, most of the time, like, you know, every tournament on the tour is, 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 is like not a problem for me, apart from the Masters in London and the World Championships. I just think they just bring whatever they bring and I you know I don't think any player feels totally relaxed when they come around all the other tournaments I love it's like practice sessions you know and and I, and I love playing it's just them two tournaments that It's I've your won. perception of the pressure maybe maybe and I'm not the only one cuz yeah. spoke to other players they all feel the same especially about the crucible masters is different cuz it's a best of 9 best of 11 you know, you're in and out. Yeah, but hang on, you've mastered mm. it more times than anyone else I'm other not. than Stephen mm. Hendry. You've won more tournaments than anybody I just, else. Yeah, I just wish I wouldn't have, I just wish I wouldn't have had to feel as nervous or as, you know, I don't know, it just, it's like 17 days and, you know, you just, it's hard. It's just really hard, you know. Um, and you sometimes think like, I don't know, just at the end of it, it's just the first emotion is relief that it's over. You think like what you know? I'm supposed to be enjoying this. I'm supposed to be going like I want it to end. You but know, Ronnie, but what would you do without snooker? No, no, I love snooker. I love it, and it's been great to me, and I love it, and I still continue to love it, and I still, I still know that without it, you know, my life would be a lot duller. You know, so but just being able to go down the snooker club, put the kettle on, have a cup of tea, hit a few balls, try and master this game. Know that I can't master it, but some days I get the better of it, and some days it's fantastic and all clicks into place and you go that's why I play the game and then other days are going there can't put a ball absolutely berating myself um, but I still do it I still do it and I still come you know and that means I still have to enter the tournaments I'm still putting the work in so I, I, I play you know and I just, but I just switch off I learn to switch off I learn to not try and engage with that critical voice the one that's self-doubt, I just go, here he is again. Come on, here you go. What are you going to tell me today? <laughs> you know, I mean? how, how rubbish am I today? And then I kind of go, oh, okay. As you, as you say, now I'm going to try and pot a few balls and oh, play. Oh, Ronnie, you're way too hard on yourself. You've given yeah. everybody so much enjoyment watching yeah. you over the yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. 
Anyway, we look forward to seeing you at the Crucible and other places in the future as well as going off <laughs> on your Asian tours. The book is great. It's unbreakable. Ronnie O'Sullivan, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you very much. Cheers, Matt. The last word on sport on Today FM. With Carlsberg, official beer partner of the FAI. Probably the best partnership in the world. Get the backs, be drink aware, visit drinkaware.ie.